Good morning. The Christmas season is upon us. Can you feel it? We've been listening to Christmas music at our house 24-7. It's a great time of year. It's a gr- especially a great time of year here at the Orchard. I love the Christmas season. Now, if you've been a part of the, Christmas, of the Orchard in the past, you know what's approaching with Christmas Eve and now actually Christmas Eve Eve. But if you're new here, if you haven't been here through a Christmas season, buckle up because we have something that happens here that it's extraordinary. You see, every Christmas Eve, we have this big Christmas Eve service, and we've split it to two nights and four services, and we are expecting um, around 1,500 people to be a part of it this year. Thousands are coming to to, to see this, and we have a, a production team working overtime to be ready. Now, they're not just working overtime because, well, we have 1,500 people. They're not just working overtime because, well, we want to we do good. We're working so hard because we realize Christmas is an opportunity It's an opportunity for people to hear the truth that maybe don't hear the rest of the year around. You know, we have families right here in our midst who came on a Christmas, who came on an Easter, and heard a message, and God drew their hearts, and they became a part of the Orchard family for the rest of the year. So so Christmas is one of those things, one of those times of the year that it's big, it can seem stressful, but it can change the lives of people in our community, and it changes the life of our church as we celebrate uh, Jesus' birth and then celebrate Jesus' resurrection so in, in the spring. So here we are, and we have all these teams who are working to get Christmas ready. For Christmas to be a true win, it's going to need to be a team win. This is a team effort from all of us. If you call the orchard your home, um, we want you to be a part of it. And you might not play guitar. And you might not sing, and you go, where can I fit in? Well, we have so many different places for you to plug in. And I mean, you want to be behind the scenes, we have places where no one will ever see you. And you don't have to, you don't have to sing a note, and no one has to, to, you have to be on a stage. And we have other stuff like uh, the parking lot team, welcoming people in as they come in the parking lot, helping them find a spot, welcome them at the door, welcome them inside, all kinds of places and positions. And you might have a card on your seat, and that card is simply for you to look there and see some of our needs, some of the places, because here's the reason. It's going to take over 132 volunteers to pull these things off. And we're all looking for people of all different kinds and gifts and personalities to plug in. And so if you see something that you would like to plug into, um, would you just write your name, email, phone number on there and click whatever appropriate box. And if you don't see your box, let's say you just don't want to be seen. You make a box that says, I will serve, but no one should see me. Or I, I want to do a guitar solo. We'll talk about that later. Like, you know, whatever it is. Let's get that done. 132 volunteer roles that make this thing run. And also, we have two things to do when it comes to Christmas. Orchard, we get to invite. We get to invite everybody. We're going to have cards and door hangers and social media. And, and then there's the good old-fashioned just, hey, would you come to Christmas with me? We have all these different ways. And the reason we invite is because we know on the other side of that invite could be some life change. And so we're going to ask that we just invite everybody. Who? Everyone. Anyone to this Christmas production. Also, 132 volunteer roles. We'd love to have you be a part of that and jump in. So, it's going to be a fun time. Oftentimes, people can view Christmas season and Christmas Eve events as like, oh, it's, it's just kind of a, it's a hassle. I get here and it's so packed Bah, humbug, you know? No, but here's the deal. People say it's complicated because they asked me to park far away and they asked me to sit in the middle and they asked me to get here early. And and, and I know you're saying, why do you ask us that? And I'm so glad you asked these questions because I've been looking to give you the answer. We do that so that the guests that show up, the guest that shows up doesn't have to park at the school. 
they have a parking spot right here. They come in, there's an easy seat right here. And they get to sit and hear a gospel presentation of the birth of Jesus and how he can change their life. And so I'm glad you asked those questions because the answers are actually very, very um, important for us. It's going to be a great year. It's going to be a great, great Christmas season. We ask you to, to, to put yourself all in and let's see what God does. Our church will be different on the other side of December in, uh, in 2020. So that's our prayer. Let me pray for us. And Jesus, I pray for us today. And I, and I realize that in this room, there are some of us showing up here today that don't, we don't even know if we believe in you. There's some of us who show up here today, Father, and, and we believe in you, but we haven't felt, we haven't felt the connection in so long. We need fresh faith. Some of us need fresh hope. Lord, wherever we find ourselves today, I know your spirit loves each of us, and I pray you would translate this sermon to every heart. In fact, I pray, Father, that you would quiet me and that you would speak today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're starting this new ser- series, it's, and we're going to start in Matthew 5. It's, Matthew 5 is the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' first sermon, and he's unveiling the mysteries of God. He's here on this mountainside looking out at thousands of people. His, his ministry has barely been launched, and here he is preaching a sermon about these foundational truths of, of how God's kingdom works and, and who the Father is. But more than that, he's revealing the very nature of God himself in this sermon. He's revealing some shocking and startling truths that have never been taught before. The things that Jesus says in this first sermon have never been heard by human ears before. He teaches amazing things like, hey, well, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, my Father, who's in heaven. No one's ever prayed to my Father before this. He talks about earthly possessions and says, don't store up for yourself possessions on earth where they can get, you know, rusted or, or robbed. Instead, have eternal, heavenly treasure. He preached about how to live in peace and not walk in worry. And then we look at this old sermon from thousands of years ago, and how can it be relevant today? I think we need to learn how to walk in peace and not walk in worry. He preached about marriage and, and giving to the needy and judging others. And then he had this revolutionary teaching about loving your enemies. You see, the people were riveted as he unveiled these truths of God's nature in the kingdom. And then he, then he goes into the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart. And he goes through this string of revelation unveiling the mysteries of the kingdom. And right in the middle of this teaching in Matthew 5, he takes a sharp left turn and and changes a paradigm on something and says some things so seemingly out of place in this sermon that the people would have been puzzled. What is he talking about? What is he saying here? And so right here in Matthew 5, we're going to turn to verse 14. Jesus turns to the people and he says this, You are the light of the world. In the middle of this whole sermon about God's kingdom and the mysteries of God's nature. He says, you are the light of the world. Now remember, this is before electricity. No one walked into a room and flipped the switch and the electricity came on. They didn't, they didn't have special uh, glasses to keep the blue light from their, light, you know, their phone at night so they can go to sleep. They didn't have any of this stuff. They're using candles and, and they're lighting oil lamps. At sunrise, they would go to work and at sunset, the work stopped. And they didn't have a directional light or a flashlight on their phone for their walk around town. Candles and lamps. So when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, it might have been a little bit, what is he talking about? He continues, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before all people, that they can see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world, and a city built on a hill cannot be hidden. They would have got this. You see, when the lights go down in the area, there's no light pollution. The only lights that would have been visible are in these city centers. And you can see a city from miles away. If they're out there like you know, on the Sea of Galilee where they are, and, and it, when the sun goes down, you look around the Sea of Galilee and you see the different cities, cities on the hill, illuminated. Jesus is saying, this is how you're going to be. You're the light of the world. This is how you're going to be. When the sun goes down, my people will shine. When it's dark, my people will illuminate. Even if the city goes dark, my church, my people will be seen. You wouldn't put a lit lamp under a bowl. Of course not. It would defeat the very purpose of the light. It would be useless. A light is meant to illuminate. You see, instead you put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And this, again, for a first century listener would have been easy to understand. They do this every night at dusk. They go and they, they light the lamp and they place it in such a way, they position it in such a place that it would cast the most light for the most people. But again... Jesus takes this simple illustration and he, he begins to turn it. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before all people. It's as silly as it would be to put a light under, under a bowl. It would make it useless. In the same way, you don't put your light under a bowl. Don't hide your faith. Don't shudder away your salvation. The, the salvation that Jesus gave you lit up your entire soul. Don't try to pack all that light into one day, into one hour, into one worship service and leave it there. Like, don't hide your faith. Don't shudder it away. Let your light shine. You take that light out and you place your light to be seen by those who need it most. You position your faith to cast the most light to the most people. Let your, your light shine before all people, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And your light, your salvation, your faith, your goodness, your good deeds, it shines for the world to see. And who does it reveal? God. As you shine, it reveals God and His glory. Because when the world sees your light, they see the light of the Father. This is an amazing statement. You shine your light and people will see his nature. Your light illuminates God to a world. Jesus preaching to a crowd of people who are following him. He says, you are the light of the world. And I'm telling you, he's not just talking to them. He's talking to you today. He's talking to me. He's talking to us he shifts the paradigm for us because, you see, he later states that he is the light of the world, but he's making it very obvious here. It's not just me who's lit. You are the light. You are the light of the world. And to any of you who are present here right now or live streaming with us or listening later on podcast, if you have committed to follow Jesus, he says this to you today. You are the light of the world. You. And you might be as perplexed as those people who were listening that first sermon. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill. You know, the way a city is, he's telling us something. That the way a city is going to come to life, the way a city is going to come to light, is when the people of Jesus illuminate, turn on 
their brightness so people can see. Orchard, Jesus making some, some statements here, but they're not just all about him, are they? All throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he makes these statements about his, his, his father and his father's kingdom. But right here, he makes this very bold statement about you, about me, about us, about anyone who claims to follow this revolutionary rabbi named Jesus. So what is Jesus saying to us today? He's saying, Orchard, I want you to be bright. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be bright. You don't need all the answers. You just need to be bright. I want you to be the light to this region. Now, light is an interesting thing, if you think about it. Many people believe that light and darkness are opposites. Uh, but darkness isn't really a thing. Darkness, you can't make darkness. You don't produce darkness. Darkness by definition, darkness by its nature, is actually simply the absence of light. That's all darkness is. Where there is light, darkness retreats. The opposite is not true. You can't say where there's darkness, uh, light flees. No, no, no. When light is present, darkness always flees. The only way that darkness grows, the only way darkness can, can enlarge is if light diminishes. And as light diminishes, darkness then gets the chance to grow. So, if you want to overcome the darkness, if you see any darkness in your life or in our culture, what you don't do is gather a committee together and discuss how to overcome the darkness. You don't get focus groups together and go, how do you feel about the darkness What's your favorite darkness? When you're in the darkness, what do you think about? You, you don't get like a professor to, to stand up and espouse the, the three natures of the darkness and, and how to defeat it. You don't need a, a rally and a chant with signs about darkness. If you want to overcome darkness, all you need is light. Anywhere there's darkness, if you want to overcome it, all you need is light. This is true in physics, it's true in the spiritual world as well. Martin Luther King Jr. famously said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. In other words, wherever there is darkness, the prescription is crystal clear. Light. If you want to change the darkness of our culture, bring light. If you have dark places in your private life, maybe some shadow areas of sin that are growing in your heart, you bring light. You bring it to the light. If you're in a relationship or a marriage and it's growing dim, you bring light. Wherever there's darkness, it's not rocket science. It's simple. Where there is light, the darkness flees. And if those of us who follow Jesus are to be the light of the world, wherever we go, what should be present? Light. And wherever we go, there should be an effect that takes place on the darkness of our culture. If we shine our light, the environments around us should be different. I hold my hands right here, a tiny little light bulb. And there's different elements that make up this bulb. At the base that I'm holding, there's a group of wires and connectors. Then there's the glass bulb itself that kind of seals in everything inside. There's some connecting wires that go up. And then there's this little thing, you, you might not even be able to see it from where you are, this little tiny thin thread called the filament. It's hard to even see. 
In the 1870s, Thomas Edison was hard at work to perfect the light bulb. I read the history of Thomas Edison, and it's, it's amazing to, to see the grit of a man who, who, who time after time went all in to, to see this happen. You see, he could get the, it to light up. He could get the, the current to travel up the contact wires and, and light the, the filament. But you see, the, the filament, it, it has to burn. It has to burn so bright, it glows. It has to illuminate. It has to get to such a high temperature that it lights. And can you imagine this, this thinnest, most delicate part of the light? That little tiny thread is the key. And this is what Thomas Edison dedicated himself to. The filament had to be heated, but not consumed. The filament is what makes everything possible. The magic of this tiny filament is that it's in this vacuum-sealed light bulb. And Edison knew that, that if he was going to, to perfect this, he had to put his efforts into the tiniest little thread. And that's what he did. In 1879, he patented carbon filament and ran experiments with over 6,000 different kinds of plant fiber to discover which one would be best as that tiny thread. He got the thinnest strands of cotton fiber, and he carbonized them. He put them there between the connecting wires, and it lit for 15 hours before burning out. That's a good 15 hours, but it's not quite long enough. So he pressed on, and he has this famous quote. He says this, Before I got through, I tested no fewer than 6,000 vegetable growths and ransacked the world for the most suitable filament material, which is why I say genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. He, just, he had to find out what would make the filament heat to a level where it would glow, but it wouldn't be consumed. And he continued to run experiments, and others joined him. And in 1906, the General Electric Company discovered that tungsten could heat to a very high temperature and not be consumed. And so they started using tungsten. You could jolt tungsten with electricity, and it would not melt. It wouldn't break. And so right here in these bulbs, to this day, we, have, we often have tungsten. You can barely see it, the thinnest of threads. But once you connect it to the right source, it's heated in such a way, that tungsten thread is heated in such a way, when connected appropriately, it lights an entire room. It can light almost anything. We get the word filament from the word thread. And it, it looks like it. It's so delicate. The, the tungsten thread is the magic, so to speak, of, of this light bulb. This little thread, this little filament, when connected to the source, man, it glows. It glows. And once it begins to glow, I mean, you can take it. You, you can take it and you can put it in a kitchen, and it works in a kitchen. You can actually go to the darkest, ba scariest basement around, and you put it down there, and it's going to work, and it's going to light the basement. You can put it anywhere, and under the right conditions, it heats the tungsten, and it glows, and it illuminates. This little thread heats to such a degree that it illuminates any environment. And Orchard, this is what God is calling us to. He asks us, will you be the thread that I can use to illuminate your family? Will you be the thread I can use to illuminate your work and your, your school, your neighborhood, your friendships? Will you grow in such a way? Will you grow brightly so that we can bring light to wherever environment you go to? That wherever you go, if you're connected, you would glow and illuminate. And this is where I want to focus as we, we hit with the time we have left. And I want to say something important here. Hear me out. 
For so long, the goal of religious people has been to be right. Now hear me. We are founded on the truth, so don't get me wrong. Truth matters. But the calling card of much of religiosity has been, I'm right, you're wrong. We're right, you're wrong. We are in and you are out. There's a rightness and there's a wrongness. It's almost as if we went back and we read Matthew 5 in a different way. We thought Jesus said something different. He said this, you are the right of the world. In the same way, let your right shine before others that they may see your rightness and glorify God. I don't know about you. I have rarely seen right as a good tool of drawing people to God's love. I have yet to see a person argued and debated into Jesus and finally, okay, okay, I give in. You've conquered all my arguments. It's time. You see, we don't punish people into purity. We don't judge people into Jesus. You don't condemn people into Christ. You don't shame someone with your rightness into salvation. We don't condemn somebody with rightness into conviction, and we don't religion somebody into religion. Jesus didn't ask us to go and be right. He asked us, church, to go and be light. The difference is staggering. You see, what your home needs, what your school needs, what your business needs, what your neighborhood needs, what Glenwood needs, what Carbondale, what Basalt, what Redstone, what the region needs is not somebody who can go around with the ability to prove the rightness to other people. It needs people who will go and be bright. What the world needs is someone who walks in and illuminates God. Someone who can brighten the spiritual atmosphere of a workplace. The world needs someone who can help someone see that by my light, I am showing you the light of the world, Jesus the Savior. If there's somebody stuck in a cave of spiritual darkness, what they do not need is a religious person to come in and give them and tell them how why the, the darkness is negative in their lives and the properties of darkness and how it's going to harm them. They don't need someone to come and preach to them a sermon about just how dark darkness can be. They don't need someone to come in and, 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 and tell them how being in a dark cave is wrong and you shouldn't be in there. What they need most is someone willing to go in and go, come with me. I'll bring you to freedom. I'll show you the way. They don't need someone to walk in with what's right. They need someone to walk in with the light and draw people to Jesus Christ. So today, we need to be bright. Do you know people in need? Do you have people around you who are in need? Do you have people in your life who lack peace, who lack purpose, who, who lack um, a life that God would have for them, who are far from God? <laughs> And we have to answer, listen, I know, I know where help is. If you need to know how to get help, I'm here. If you need to know how to get sober, to get free, to find grace, if you need help to find unconditional love, I will be a light for you. I will illuminate the way to the one who can bring what you need. Follow me. I will illuminate for you the one who can change everything. I am bright because he is the light of the world living in me. And here's the best part. I don't have to be perfect to do this. I just need to be bright. 
It's a huge departure from maybe some things that we've heard in the past. Instead of going out into the world and striving to be right and and polarizing, I I, I simply go out into the world and I, I shed the light of Christ. Jesus didn't ask us to go be right. He asked us to go be light. Let's talk about this. Look at this bulb once again. The filament is this little magical thread in there that that under the right condition lights up. Um, The power, though, is what makes it glow, right? Did you know for the filament in there, there's no striving? Do you know it doesn't have to strain? I mean, when you go and plug one of these in, you can do it with your fingertips without even looking. I mean, oftentimes it's like back somewhere and you have to work at it and, and you get it in there. And, and, but have you ever plugged in a light bulb and you hear the filament go, come on, come on, let's make light. Have you ever? No, no, we don't. You see, what's amazing is the moment that this bulb correctly connects to the source, it instantly illuminates. They don't strain. The filament doesn't struggle. It's just lit day after day, week after week, month after month. And if you need it in your room, it goes to your room. If you need it at work, it goes to work. And wherever you would need it, it, it just does it without strain. All the power, all the strain, all the striving is what took to get the power to your house, what took to get the power to the bulb. The filament is one of the most delicate and fragile things in your house. It's just a thread of possibility that under the right conditions glows like crazy. And that's the way of God's people. You see, it's the beauty of the power of God at work in our lives. I don't have to strain. I don't have to strive with the perfection of always being right. I don't have to leave my house with the the pressure of going out and getting it all right. I simply stay connected to the source. He does that work of illumination. Let's read about our source. In John 8, 12, Jesus says of himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's the source. 1 John 1.5 says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness. So our role is not to, to strain and strive, it's to connect ourselves to the God of light, to the Savior of light. And the byproduct is that when darkness falls, God's people will shine. The light of Christ has come to live in the spirits of those who know Jesus. And the light of Jesus will glow through you. You won't have to strive to make it glow. You won't have to strain to make it illuminate. You simply stay connected to the source, the light of the world. Our role is to stay connected. And in doing so, our light will shine. So the the first question I have for you today is, are you connected Are you connected to the source of light? Have you connected to Jesus, the light of the world? Have you plugged your soul into the socket of God's salvation? Have you surrendered your spirit and given your life to Jesus, who gave his life to you? You see, here's the source of our power, is that Jesus, fully God, came to earth. We're about to celebrate that. He lived the life of perfection, did many works. He he revealed the light. He was nailed to a cross. 
He died. He was put in a tomb. And then he rose again, conquering sin and conquering death. The light of salvation broke through. And that very light is offered to you today. That the light of Christ from the gospel, the way he lived and died, changes everything. You see, we oftentimes believe that when we pray to receive Jesus, I I go to heaven someday, I punch my ticket. But the beautiful blessing of it is he illuminates our life now. That he gives us forgiveness in our past, peace and presence and power in the now and hope for the future. The gift of God is that he illuminates today. In the dark places of your heart, the places you never thought could be changed or, or, or touched or, or that were just too painful, his light can bring life. And so my question today is, have you connected to Jesus? And for some of you here, you might say, I've never done that. I've been checking it out. I have my own reasons. But, but maybe you've never prayed to, to receive Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity today. I want us to pray this prayer, and I want you to, if you would like to, I want you to pray with your, your heart engaged in faith and confess it with your mouth. And we're all going to pray it together. We're going to pray a prayer that, that says, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. So will you pray with me? Jesus, I need you. Illuminate my darkness. I know you died on the cross. I know you rose again from the grave. You gave me your life. I give you mine. Right now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, for other, others of us here today, we, we say we're, we're committed. We've already followed Jesus in salvation. So I have two questions for you. Perhaps you've gotten off track like I have in the past. This was a good check for me. That I've been going out into the world and I've been, being, I've been shining my, my right. I, I want to be the right of, right of the world. Maybe today you realize that that, that you remember that Jesus didn't ask us to go be right. He asked us to go be light. So for you, maybe today as you correct that, you say, I'm going to go to my work tomorrow. Because my workplace, it needs the light of Jesus. My home, my neighborhood, my cul-de-sac, my city, my community, it needs light. And so I, I ask God that you would forgive my need to go bring right. And instead... Help me shine. Today, I want you to, to, to reconsider maybe connecting back into what illuminates your soul. Maybe you have wandered. You know, a light under the right conditions glows, and maybe you have changed the conditions. And so maybe today you say, God, forgive me for my wandering. Forgive, my, forgive what I've done. I want to re-engage and reconnect with you. And you know it says in the Bible, it says in the truth right here, that there is no condemnation in Jesus, that he accepts you back, forgiveness. Maybe that's your prayer today during communion. The second question is for those of us who say we already know Jesus is, perhaps you are connected and perhaps your light does shine, but you've done the very thing God asked us not to, Jesus asked us not to. You have covered your light. You've hidden the light of Jesus in your heart. Now, there's a lot of reasons we do this. We, we do this because we don't want to stand out because Lights by their nature stand out, don't they? You recognize when a light has come on. We don't want to stand out. Maybe it's that uh, we don't want people to judge or reject us. Maybe it's that we don't want people to think that um, we're one of those religious people who's always out bringing right. And so we're like, well, I don't want to be one of those. So I don't want people to even think I'm one. I'm not one of those people. Maybe it's just that you're afraid to shine bright. Maybe it's that you just feel unprepared. I don't have a seminary degree. I'm not a preacher. 
I don't really know all the answers. I don't know all this stuff. And maybe you even feel like you're light. Like, what's it going to do? It can't do all that much. I challenge you today during this Christmas season. I challenge you today to, make a, to, make a, to engage in a prayer with God today during communion. To stop hiding your light. To stop covering it up. And instead, to let it illuminate. To go out to the world and be light. Because when I look across the, when I look across the, the news and our, and our culture and our, all these things, when I see right, it polarizes, doesn't it? Because there's always right and wrong. Right. If you go be right, you're going to polarize. But if you go and be light, you know what you do? You invite. Light is an invitation. An invitation to come close and see what God has done in my life. So, so go forth and let the world see Jesus shining through you. Through your love and through your forgiveness and grace. By the light of your peace during this chaotic season. By the way that you speak words of encouragement, may the world see the light of Christ. Open your mouth and speak to others about the precious gift that God has given you. And when you live like that, you become a living light that shines for all people to see God. You become a lit-up billboard for the Savior of the world. As your life says, this light reveals my God. So Orchard, it's time to go forth and let our light shine before all people. That they can see the way we live. We say we want to love God and love people. And that is a beautiful way to shed the light of Christ on a community. But it's time to stop hiding it. Instead, to illuminate our region. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. He said that to us. It's time. It's time to go forth into a world and a culture that needs light. It's time to go forth and shed and illuminate God's goodness. Amen? As we go into communion today, uh, for those of you who are new with us, no class is needed. You, Jesus said, take communion in remembrance of me, and you are welcome to do so. And as you come and get your communion, the symbol of Jesus' broken body and shed blood, the first thing to do is to, to take a moment and pause. Before you just, it's not a snack. Pause. Take an account of, your, of yourself. What do you need to ask Jesus forgiveness for? He forgives, but what do you need to ask him forgiveness for? And maybe today you, you, you pray through some of these things. I've been hiding my light. I am so afraid to let people know what I really believe. I'm afraid to, to shine at work. I'm afraid. Or, or maybe it's many other reasons. But as you take communion, you ask forgiveness, and then you pray those prayers of God, partner with me. I want to I be connected to you in such a way that my life just illuminates you. And then think of some ways and some places that could happen. If you're here today and you have any kind of prayer request, any, from, from the smallest to the largest, we have a, a team back here in the corner that every Sunday shows up to pray for you. They're just waiting for you back there. So don't, don't be afraid. It's confidential. Go back there and we'll pray over you. But let us, let's do business with God in this time. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you that you are the light of the world. And I pray right now in this time your spirit would speak to us clearly. Because there's some big decisions that need to be made. I feel like there is some definite places, some dark places in hearts that need the light of Christ to set us free. And so maybe today, there is some, some dark places in your heart, some hidden places that have been shadowed for years, decades even. The light can set you free. Maybe it's your marriage that needs some light. Whatever it would be, 
Jesus wants to, to speak to you today. So as we're going to communion, let's wait for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen.